Amen. Let's speak for a while before we get back into a place of worship and word. The word. Honestly, I did not have the opportunity to, or the time today to hear from our senior pastor, Pastor Oni, in a leadership class. But in passing, I did hear his emphasis on word. I think the time that I was on, I saw him speaking um, or reiterating or emphasizing on how powerful the word is. And I don't want to get too much into it because I only heard a part and I don't want to assume the whole, the whole conversation. But I think it was enough to say or it was enough for me to repeat the importance of the word. Why the word is so powerful. Why we read and we pray scriptures or we pray with the scripture or with Paul the scriptures like we just read Ephesians 3 that we be strengthened in our inner man so that Christ may dwell in our hearts that we may be established and rooted in love and may have power with together with all the Lord's holy people we grew up in churches that it seemed God was not with you if you somehow had a stain of immorality. If you were someone that did not live the holy, what they defined as holy, they made it seem as if God was not with you. And I want you to think about the men we find in scripture. Men that took the nations Men that advanced God's agenda. People like David. People that we cannot ever fully exhaust the conversation or the story of. A David who would fight wars. The wars of God or fought so well that God would look at him and say that this is a man after my own heart. My question to you is that this is a man after God. On earth in that generation... And for many generations to come, God identified himself with an adulterer. God identified himself with a murderer. God identified himself with a cheat. So if what we understood as church, how well behaved an Esther Longe is, if we took that as the way that God measures people, I think it's safe to say that I'm not surprised then why we have not seen the exploits of God in our generation. Because what defines or what relates God with men, we have never fully understood. So again, why we spend nights like this, and you know, Saturdays are, it almost feels like a day robbed from you when you have to sit down and listen to the word. But what I am here to again advocate for or advocate for is us spending more time under the word like I said to you last week like I said to you on Tuesday why is the case why is that the case we're not going there but because we can see the day approaching and we've received instruction from the word that as we see the day approaching we should not forsake the assembly of God's people of the believers so again, my thought being the word and what I came to speak to you about, yes, I've got scriptures for you, but I still feel like I'm coming to continue the conversation on deals and proposals. 
moving on to the conversation of being sent. And as we progress in that conversation, I heard the instruction. I don't know if we can title it as this tonight, but I heard the instruction challenge. And I want to show you how all this conversation goes together. This is not me speaking something new to you. I'm just coming to speak the word of God as laid in my heart, listening to PT. I want to speak the word of God to you so that God can begin to put into action his men. So I want to start off with the scripture because it was important that we saw that it says may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. The only way you can have power is if you are a people, a nation. Holy, again, is separated for the agenda, for the cause, for the use of God. Holy is not if you sinned or not, according to what we have been taught as sin by our old failing churches. Sin, like we saw according to scripture, I think it was John 16. So follow me, I'll go all over the place before I get to where I want to go tonight. But it was according to John 16 that we saw that sin was accounted when the Holy Spirit comes to judge. Rebuke men for sin. It was sin was simply their unbelief of what God was saying. Do you remember that? But again, as I have the scripture in front of me, may have power together with all the Lord's people, holy people. So God wants this. As we were praying, I was praying, Lord, establish this house, this family as a nation. Because that's where God has taken us to. But he recognizes and we must recognize it. I said to you the other day also, these are all disclaimers before we get into where we need to go. I said to you also the other day, you must acknowledge that there's no new word in the Bible. If we read something progressively in a new light, it means that whatever you have power of or the way to have power over something is for God to open and lighten your eyes for you to realize what's there. And that's why I keep emphasizing this scripture that you can only have power if you are together with all the people that God has separated. Now, why did I start off with the emphasis of the word? Why we continually celebrate the word as we have been doing more intentionally for the last couple of weeks? Why do we celebrate the word? Because if it's not for the word, how do you identify a people? You know, when you look into nations, the, again, it's hard for us to fully recognize it because we live in London. And there's been the embracing of all kinds of cultures and religions. But there are certain nat um, nations that their constitution, their law is originated from. It comes from religion, what they believe. Like I've said to you before, in this side of the world, a grown man cannot dare go and marry an underage child. Because our law disapproves of it how do you know that you are a londoner you start to think according to what they have set as law in this nation but do you know that there are men that sincere to their heart in another part of the world grown if they marry an underage child there is no conviction or conscience in them that tells them it's wrong 
Why? Because what separates them is the law, the words that they live by. So how would we have power with the word? Is if we as wealth family agree that this is our only thought and opinion. Did you hear what I've said? If we agree not only by words but by deed, actions, that the words we receive here is what is our opinion. It becomes our opinion. It becomes our instruction. It becomes what we live by. It doesn't matter how I feel. I put principle, I put law above sentiment and feelings. And if I can accept that, if we can accept that, what happens? We have power together. So think about it. Old churches do not have power because they don't all live by the word. They are not separated. You cannot declare them a nation because in that room, there's a person that has their own law at home. They worship, they offer, they do things according to what's convenient per time to them. What we've done is if a pastor always says Saturday we're speaking the word, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You've allowed the law to be what makes us a people. So it's inevitable that this constant embracing of this word as our law, Jeremiah 31 was where we'll start. The constant embracing of this word as our law is what's bringing us to the place of having power. I want you to also look keenly to what Paul was petitioning for the church in Ephesus when he says may have power. It was a proposal. His prayer was a petition before God that if God, you can recognize them as a people that continue with your word. How do you know a people is the Lord's people? If they abide by his word. I need you to get all of this before we get to where we're going. You can only know if you know. Sorry that I have to say. Okay. If, how would you know a people that is Pastor Toby's people? They live by Pastor Toby's word. How do you know a people that is an, an the house of exchange people? They live by the, the, the practices of exchange. Do you understand that? So for us to, or for Paul to identify the children or the people of Ephesus, the church of Ephesus in Ephesus as the Lord's people was him actually saying to God, look, you have to strengthen them. You have to give them power because they have adopted a position of living by your word. So again, me advocating tonight is if we can continue in making the word what we live by, it's inevitable that we will end up having power. Again, your definition of power has to be according to what God is trying to do. We're going to go there in a moment also, but God wants to always send. The Old Testament is a shadow of what God wants to do. When God raises a man, he brings them together. He brings a Moses together with three million Israelites so that he can have power to speak to Pharaoh. What God wants to do, remember, okay, maybe we'll go all over the place. The church, the intent. I can't remember where the scripture was. It was Ephesians as well. His intent, I think Ephesians 3 maybe or 1 or wherever. His intent, his intent was to show the manifold wisdom through the church. Have you got it? Please read it quickly for me. 
His intent, Ephesians 3 verse 10, go on. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be known to should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realm. God is trying to raise this family to address powers. He's not, look, God does not care. And you're going to see why this is important when we get to the scriptures that I feel like we need to share tonight. God almost does not care. God loves the commoners so much that he does not care about them. Weird to say. He does not look to speak to the commoners. Do you know why? He does not speak to the law of society. Do you know why? Because conversations between people without power would do nothing. This is why you will see instructions in scripture saying, do not bother yourself in arguments. But I will think to myself, is that consistent with scripture? Because Paul will argue and dispute but you see, it's not that it's going against scripture. It's just that where you do that matters. It's not us speaking with Twitter. It's that God raises the wealth family to be a church by whom he will show wisdom. He will, exp he will show his wisdom to rulers and authorities. So God wants to raise you, wants to raise us as a people that can speak to powers. But that has to be embraced with us becoming a people. That has to be how does a black person and a white person look exactly alike? The words that they live by, the constitution that they live by. So this is why we advocate for the word. It means that a person that is attacking in the law world looks exactly like the person attacking in the beauty world. Though frame is different, they look the same because they live by the same word. They feed on the same food. So I want you to always understand that when we're talking about power, power is not to make you as an individual look powerful. Power is not to roll about. Power also is not to make a situation change. Because you see, let me tell you something. Sometimes we think, yeah, that when problems come, you want power to make that problem cease. And God looks at us and he says, you do know that my understanding or my view of my agenda transcends generations. Meaning, and I need you to hear this, meaning that so that my agenda can be achieved men can be lost along the way if it's necessary he did that with his son his son had to die along the way to reach his goal so what i'm trying to say is that god's showing me and telling me things look the power i want to give you is not just to make situations go away you know, a problem comes and you just want to do something and you want to say, oh, this person dies and I've been guilty of saying this, even today. Well, God says power is not for that. Power will actually sometimes allow you to be mistreated just so that you can address who I need to address. Power was taken from a poor. He was denied of being a man of himself. He was slapped and abused by other men deprived of his own dignity so that he can really have power to speak where it matters 
because God knows that it has to be conversations between powers. It has to be the interfa interfacing between powers that will restore a people. Because if the church manage to be those that rule, the Bible says that the people will rejoice. So God knows that he needs to go past the commoners. That's why sometimes God does not bother arguing when mere people are just talking. Because he knows that if he can raise a house to interface with powers and then become the power as a result of being, being announced as victor of that challenge, he knows that their agenda will also bless them. Do you understand these things? So let's start again reminding ourselves of certain scriptures. First being Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 30. Verse 33, sorry. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord. Yeah. I will put my law in their mind. 33, sir. Jeremiah 31 verse 33. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time. You see this. What makes Israel powerful? the covenant that God establishes with them. It's not first the land he gives them because you're going to see where we're going tonight. It's not first the land he gives them because he first introduces them to no land. It's not first resources he gives them because he first introduces them to lack. It's the covenant he establishes with that family. But he only establishes a covenant not with a person, with a people. We look at Abraham. God did not establish a covenant with Abraham. He established a covenant with a lineage, with a people. That's why Abraham is often spoken about with Isaac and Jacob. We hear scriptures like we've read recently, look to the rock, look to your father. Is God addressing a nation. Abraham was a nation. When God says over this person, I want to put the covenant of wealth over them, which is the covenant of word ultimately. It's because of the people. Do you remember what David said? That he realized at some point that God blessed him for the sake of Israel. God was actually looking at the people. If David was his own man, God could not bless him. Now, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time declares the Lord. Go on. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And what would that do? I will be their God and they will be my people. If again, I'll keep repeating this tonight. If the wealth family puts aside their sentiments, their emotions, our own opinions, what we think is right or wrong, and replace it with God's law as a result God will recognize and the world will recognize that he is our God and we are his people they will see the extraordinary through us they will see what a normal nation can never do they will see what they call miracles what we call natural because we have become supernatural this comes with us agreeing that this is what we live by. And 
to make us live by this, we accept the consequence of whatever. We accept that life will happen. You know, find me the scripture. One day Paul got to say, look, he's in chains. He was talking about, look, he's in chains and he's on all these things. But then he got to a place of saying, but you see, but the word of God cannot be chained. Meaning that anything can happen to me. But what I esteem as very value, extremely valuable, is God's word. He recognizes that the word is the only thing. So it doesn't matter where we find ourselves. What God is looking at is if we can keep up our covenant of sowing the word. If we can keep up our covenant of living the word, irrespective of what happens to us, irrespective, irregardless of what happens to us, if we can esteem God's word in lack, in abundance, in, in, in adversary and in all kinds of um, praise and in prosperity, if we can keep God's word, we will be a powerful people. And where's the intent so you don't forget? That if you are people, I want to use you to display my manifold wisdom, my multidimensional wisdom to powers. Have you found that scripture for me? Read it for me quick. 2 Timothy 2 verse 9. Yeah. Read from verse 7 or so. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Yeah. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, yeah? For which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. Look, God's word. I think it was the other day you were speaking about the resistance caused by God's word. God's word does not guarantee immediately that everything will be good for you. In fact, most times when we started to embrace the word, life began to happen to us at an increasing measure than the normal person. It's like word given and then things are happening. And you're looking at people who you know they are aliens to God. They have no regard for God. And this, I can now understand why David at point started to say, God, why do these people prosper? I am the one obeying you, yet they come for me. I have become a prey to my enemies for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. Paul knew that he was not a criminal but the nation that did not know God made him a criminal even though he wasn't. But what was the confession of Paul but God's word? God's word can never be abused. God's word will never be found guilty. It doesn't matter where I am. If what inspired or mobilized me was the word, before God, I am not guilty. That's why I had to start off with the talking about the moral standings. That, it, that, according to man, depends on where you grew up. So right now, as prim and proper as you are, in another side of the world, you may be a criminal. But God says that even if a nation makes you to believe that you're a criminal even before you've done anything incriminating you must remember that god's word is not chained man cannot call god's word a criminal man cannot chain god's word before me if what if it was word that mobilized you 
to do what you had to do you are not guilty before me that's why that david can say oh how i love the law and i'm thinking in that law you do know it says do not kill but david david's hand was bloody do you know why because it was god's hand that motivated him it was god's word that motivated him so before god he is without guilt he's without blame are you hearing me so why does god start off speaking like this to us you must be confident in him when he says be strong in the lord he understands because if you look to other things you'll be weak it will be something that you cannot measure at sometimes you will look good at others you'll be the world's criminal so he says be strong in the lord be strong in your convictions be strong in what he's saying in and through you because in through that you would see it doesn't matter how dark things become become or get you're going to get to a place of great glory the destiny of every hard situation that came out of god's word is great glory doesn't matter how it looks in case you don't understand this read from verse 7 again go on reflect on what i am saying he says reflect on the things i am saying for the lord will give you insight into all this then look at what he says go on remember jesus christ remember jesus christ what do you need to remember about him in simple terms what do you need to remember raised from the dead situations it was god's word that made them have to die and die in the manner that he did he descended from David. But the Bible says that, look, he died because of the word, but the word then raised him. You know, till this day, he has the glory of as being the first to die and to be resurrected. He has the glory of having all authority and power being given to him because he saw it through. I feel that God is speaking to us because like, and we're going to go there in a moment, what you need to understand, what God is going to constantly be asking you based on the proposals you made is, can you see it through? Can you see it through? Do not go before an angel and say it's a mistake. Do not utter words. And then when things come, you start to cower away. You, we read the scripture before. God does not recognize and he does not, um, he does not um, um, agree with the person that shrinks away. The person that, yes, they're saying, oh, when things are going well, we're saying we're fighting. Then when there's a roar from the enemy, you start to back off. God does not like, he takes great displeasure in such persons. So God says to us, are you really willing to see it through? Because anything can happen. The moment we look at the great example of Christ dying, he says life can happen to anybody. But can you see it through? Because when I called you, when I enrolled you into my nation, I hope you understood at that moment that it was my agenda, not yours. It's what I want to achieve. And in case you think that that's so supernatural out of the world, the people that built nations, this character was imputed in them. This character was put in them so much so that men, you always think how men will live and passionately want to go to war. You'd be asking yourself, how do people, but that's because the agenda of their nation outgrew all their personal ambitions and whatever america is made to be today they will always be spoken and remembered if men cannot remember their name their blood will still speak for them remember jesus christ raised from the dead descended from david go on this is my gospel yeah for which i am suffering 
even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. So you see the scripture. So again, the word. The word is what God wants us to look at. Ephesians chapter 6. Why is the word important? Why must we hold on to the word? You remember the things I shared with you on Tuesday. When I said to you that I feel that God is getting ready to send out men. And I said to you that what we realized from scripture, what we realized in the book of Joshua was that when God sent out 12, we didn't know that he was even testing them. The sending out was to test them because you see, and we're going to get into looking into that at some point, but you, when they got into the land of Canaan and all the problems that they found there, the size of their enemies and all, I realized something. And I said it to you, God was testing if put in an environment that makes you look so disadvantaged to the point that it's impossible. If you're able to uphold and keep the word, that's actually what's going to make me fight your battles and give you lands. Did you hear what I just said? You know, when I say these things, you do know that there's something I need you to hear in it. But you hear in SoundCloud if you listen. Lands are not even given to you because you fought for it. Because the Bible always says that God went ahead of you. Meaning that the battle already was won. You are just entering into what was already decided. Every swinging of the arm was an arm swung that has been predestined. You were only able to do it because God already writ it. He wrote that word. If you are somebody that's able to pull finances from an investor, it's because God already wrote it. It was not your brilliance. What happened is that some kind of word of faith was able to mobilize you to carry out what God already predestined. So for me, I'm looking at us now when God is saying the word and I'm just looking at it and I'm realizing more and more that when I say to you that I am so sure that this, this family is going to be the most powerful in the whole of Europe, it's like daily I'm realizing, oh, it's true. I'm realizing daily like, wow, this is true. And I'm realizing daily that I don't need to work out how because it's already been written. You know, the only reason why you will try to work something out is if you don't even believe it's written. I don't think I worked it out to this point, but I think it was written of me. I think it was written of us. But what was the scripture that you was reading? You was going to read. Was you going to read the scripture? Go on. Ephesians 6 verse 10. Ephesians 6. So why is the word important? Why is the word important? In case you don't understand this, let's allow God to teach us what the word is to be used for. And I'll save you time. Verse 17. Just jump to verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God is best realized in the hands of a fighter. Because the word of God is a sword. The word of God is not available for everybody. Because the sword in the wrong hand can bring great casualty 
that was not intended. Imagine the sword given to a child who because of cartoons feels like they can play. I saw on Worldstar before I got convicted. PT spoke the other time, so I got convicted. I saw on Worldstar two American kids in the bathroom playing before the mirror. And a girl had a gun in her hand and was playing and aimed it at her cousin's head, playing. But the gun went off, killed instantly. You can see the panic on her face. She cries, she, she drops it and falls back on the floor. But as she drops, the gun goes off again, killing her. The parents and everyone outside the room heard the guns and began crying because they knew already what it meant. But these bodies were now slumped behind the door, so it was even a struggle to get in. The, you see, guns can also be used for goodwill. But if in the hand of someone that does not know how to use it, it can bring great casualty. The word of God in the hands of our old church will bring great casualty. So that's why I used to complain why there's no word. I get it. You can't go and meet the word. Did you hear? You can't go and meet the word because the Bible shows us the pattern that the word came to me. The word recognizes that you're ready to use the word and it comes to you. So I need to stop complaining. No, we need to stop complaining when we say old churches did not have the word. The word could not come to them. They're babies. These are 50-year-old babies. These are men, man-childs. These are idiots. And I say that in the most respectful way that they're idiots. <laughs> but they cannot handle the words because they will bring about themselves great casualty. You have to remember that this word is so powerful that it killed men for keeping what was theirs. The word is so powerful that a Moses who had given 80 years to God in a moment can be denied the promised land. The word is that powerful. So I get when God is strengthening us, situations come to make us mature to handle the word because the word primarily is a sword. The word is not a means to bring comfort and encouragement. And yes, it brings encouragement, but it's a sword. A sword is used in the, in the vicinity of war. It's used to fight an agenda. It's used to bring about a victory. But you see, a sword also is very individual. Free people cannot be holding the same sword. What I'm trying to say about that is your own victory will be in reflection to the word you have. The word that somebody has, has is not a word for you. Okay, we'll see that. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Let's get this out of the way. The word, again, in all of this. So God warning us is that, look, you do know everything happening to you. Yes, they're real. They're alive. Do you know that? But you see, the problem is, or what I need you to understand is that what I'm testing you for is your ability to hold on to that word. Many things happen to the 12 spies when they went to Canaan. And they got lost in, because I told you, 40 years signifies a whole lifetime. 
signifies a whole generation, meaning that the 12, their lives were lost in Canaan. But when they came back, what God was going to use to show the men that he and God's man sent, not just who God's man sent, because God's man can send people that God didn't send. The way that God was going to prove who God and his man had sent is the people that were able to bring back a report according to their own heart as it was in their heart, according to their conviction, their ability to hold on to the word. When we pray for our brothers and sisters, the one prayer I'm praying for them is that by the time they come back, they are as convicted or if not more with the word. Don't care what happens to them physically because there's life that happens. What it has to be is if you can hold on to the word because then we'll know that God sent. For the word of God is what? Go on. Is alive and active. Is very awake. It's aware. That's why sometimes we're looking back at the word in hindsight and thinking, I, even I would say, I didn't even know that I said that. Because the word is alive. It's addressing something. I want you to understand that the word is transgenerational. The Bible speaks of it being um, being the same you know he says that christ is the same yesterday today and forevermore you know what christ is the word of god meaning and when i say it remains to be the same it means that it's able to do what it's done before in the time of famine it brought ab abundance that's not just for an old story the miracle of that can happen to a man with the word in such season the word is able to do what a normal commoner cannot do. The word is able to bring about a victory where all calculations and logic says there's no victory to be won here. The word is able to do it because it remains to be the same. It's as potent as it's ever been. The word of God is alive and active. Go on, it says what? Sharper than any double-edged sword. It's the most potent weapon that a man can get their hands on. You see how nations and governments and militaries defend nuclear weapons. You cannot just put that in the hands of anybody. Also, a man cannot just bring that out as well, at will. Do you understand? Because of the potency, how, uh, how dangerous that weapon is. The threatening of that weapon is enough to stop any situation that you're trying to stop. Just the threatening of, that, of the use of that weapon. Now the word tells us, or the scripture says, says to us, that of all weapons, because remember from what we saw in Ephesians 6, that the word of God is a weapon. It's for a warrior. It's for a fighter. It says that you see about this word, in case you don't know, it's the most potent. Where I'm going today is we have to look at David again. And David had this sling and I realized that that was just simply, David had a gun. It was just a gun. You know, sometimes we think, oh, he had a great victory. I, I didn't realize it was, he brought a gun or Goliath brought a knife to a gunfight. The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Look at how potent it is. Go on. It penetrates even to dividing soul and Places that you didn't even know there's a divide it can reach. Places that an eye cannot see, it can get there. That's why I said that the word does not fail. Listen to me. Everyone that has accidentally come across our words and heard it, 
from when we first started speaking as far as this word it's affected them it will take its time but it's affected them it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart yeah nothing in all creation is hidden from god's sight yeah everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account so i again it's just emphasizing today as god was laying it on my heart that the word is something that we must cherish because god has actually given us the ability to handle the most dangerous and most potent weapon there is and situations come to mature us circumstances come to mature us so that we can know how to handle how to wield that sword how to use it effectively that's what's happening every time we're fighting to give and we don't even know how we're going to do it every time we come and sit under the word and then we meditate on it you do know that just sitting under the word alone is not enough the bible says that if you're a hearer alone that's an act and a sign of foolishness you must be a doer of the word but how can you be a doer of the word if you do not even meditate or consider if like the scripture we read before if you don't even reflect on these words how do you come to being a doer of the word but guess why people are not able to meditate and reflect on these words again situations life that occupies their minds and hearts give them no room to consider for a moment the words we're hearing so for a moment i had to pause and consider the words and you see that it has to be deliberate it has to be intentional forget the feeling of i just feel i need to get into the word principle negates feelings meaning that there will be times you feel like it but there will also be times you don't feel like it but because it's principle you do it it's principle for us as a family to meditate on the word it's principle that when pt talks even at the moment when we feel we've heard it we principle tells us that we must meditate on it because there's still more to come out of it and it's only and i've taught you and it must be a culture in this house that it doesn't matter if it's a saturday word it doesn't matter if it's a during the day word it doesn't matter if it's tuesday sunday thursday or whenever it is you must have the culture we must develop the culture of preparing for any word because you're not coming to hear pastor obi and you know that by now even when we finish the word i'm even shocked with certain things it's not me it's the word the word is what we have to consider because as and again I'm think I'm still taking you to many scriptures the bible was speaking you want to read something first actually read it message translation go on god means what he says what he says goes his powerful word is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel cutting through everything there's nothing that it struggles to cut through it cuts through everything whether doubt or defense go on laying us open to listen and obey i love it go on nothing and no one is impervious to god's word we can't get away from it no matter what thank you for that translation so you see this word that we're looking at remember that there was a there was a scripture and i'm paraphrasing the scripture the scripture says with in the measure that you hear 
is the measure that it will be given to you to respond. So why can someone um, bring about more results and you sat next to them in as much words, word sessions as them? Why do they bring out more results? Their responding ability is in proportion to how much time they give to hearing. Remember that faith by which ordinary men were able to pull down kingdoms, subdue kingdoms, the faith can only be given to you in the measure that you hear. Faith comes by hearing and by hearing by the word of God. So this is the reason why even in a time when it looks like life is telling you respond this way, the spirit of God urges, compels you to go back to the word. And sometimes it looks like it's actually, um, um, it contradicts, it, it, it's, it's counterproductive, but that's the only way. I need you to also accept as David did, and that's why he had victory, that your weapons will never be the conventional weapon. Most times the reason that you get agitated is because you have been so open and aware to the world that your weapon you feel and you've been taught subconsciously that your weapon of warfare must be the conventional type. If we don't look like Goliath, we do not warrant that battle. But God says you don't understand the word. And I feel like this is what God is trying to emphasize tonight and in this season. You have to realize, like I started off saying, the scriptures has never added words. It's just that it becomes more effective the more you realize. You need to realize how powerful you are. You have to realize that the word you have burning in you is enough for you to be a 200k giver by yourself. You, the words we have in the nation is enough for you to be a million pound giver the word you have um, within you is enough for you to be able to fight monsters fight entities that are bigger than you the word but someone else cannot realize that for you someone else cannot cannot bring about the glory of that word for you because not a sword can only be handled by one person at a time. You have to have your sword. Don't enter battle without your sword. Don't dare to enter battle by zeal, with zeal, if there's no word. Do not enter battle because you're angry if you do not have word, because there'll be great casualties. For us, it's understanding that the worlds that men have lived in have not been framed by the brilliance of men, has been framed by the word of God. The word of God that you have in your bosom is the most powerful thing. It's more powerful than the talent you believe will bring you the results you're looking for. It's the word. We've seen that now for 17 years. Apostle Toby being able to do all of this and guess what? It's not, a, a, it's not that he has papers, everything. I think God had to design him with every kind of disadvantage so that we can realize the power of the word. And now I get when PT said, when you realize who you are, then you'll be powerful. Who are we? The word. Who are we? God. We are gods to whom the word of God has come, right? So I want us to look into scriptures because I heard the instruction challenge. 
I heard the instruction challenge. And again, when you look at, we have to break down. We have to break down what we see or what we've seen in scriptures because scriptures are cold. And I say as a disclaimer, and I feel like for a while, I'm going to have to keep saying it almost every word so that eventually you hear me. If I spend hours talking about men found in the Bible, I do not care about them. It's because what we're doing when we speak about them is that we are, we're downloading wisdoms. We're downloading in quote spirits because the word I speak to you are spirit and life. So there are certain kindred spirits. We, when we, when the word of God came to our heart to call this family the city of David, we started to, we enrolled to download the spirit of the fighting man. The man despised by men, but chosen by God. We chose that at that moment. We didn't know that before us, God gave us that. So we have to look at these things. So I'm thinking to myself, we saw, or I started to say to you, or the spirit of God started to say to us on Tuesday that he's getting ready. The word is getting ready to send men out. And how do we know when the spirit of God is getting ready to send men out? Because if I don't provide scripture or if I didn't provide scripture, it would look like a word in the air. Anyone can come and say whatever. But we have to look at the scriptures when you start to realize, because again, it's a realization matter. When you realize that your leader is growing and has received power and authority or power and authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me you if it's not a realization you can't be powerful you will not also because you're not powerful because you don't realize you cannot be sent again why do i say and why am i emphasizing is a realization because christ like i said on tuesday christ was saying this to 11 or whoever were there so i, I believe it's more than 11 but to the majority of Jerusalem that knew him at the time, though there were worlds that did not yet know Christ. But to the Jerusalem that had known Christ, they only witnessed his death and his burial. Christ did not give them the chance to see his resurrection. So how, Christ, do you have the authority and power? It's a matter of if you can realize, if you can see it like pt was referring to the other day if you can see me when i'm being lifted up because the normal person can't see it the normal even the imagine there are sons of the prophets who also have the ability to prophesy speak words endowed by the spirit but they cannot see him being taken up they can only see him being taken away taken away does not show power and authority it actually shows that you're at the hands of others. Taken away is something that is considered negative. Have you ever thought of taken away? Taken away doesn't even sound like a good thing. But there was only one, one out of many sons that was able to see that this was actually a situation of elevation. This was actually a lifting. And he says you can only have according to what you see. The word. So God looks at us and I want us to look at certain scriptures. Let's actually start with Mark chapter 1. Read from verse 1 actually. Let me see what comes before it. Go on. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, 
the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made by camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. Notice that when he's talking about power, what miracle did you see John do? Any miracles? But did you see power with John? Yes or no? Did you see power with John? Do you know what John's power was? The word, because it says that he was like the one crying out in the wilderness. It had to be attributed to his word. His word was so powerful that it brought powerful men to his submission. So power, again, is not the extraordinary. It's not the ability to call fire and there will be fire. The power, the power that God wants to give to the New Testament church is over governors. It's over powers. Remember that if the Bible spoke about the sun on his shoulders will be the government. That's ultimately where God was taken or where God intends to take his man. So in case he says, look, for you to even be prepared for the ones coming, you have to recognize the power I have. And again, for most, you know, in old churches, they've never called the God of John the Baptist. You know, they don't recognize the guy. John the Baptist is, look, it, there's certain people, you know, like, you know, sometimes being spiritual, you say, oh, um, and not just being spiritual, what happens? You know, you can say, oh, this is the spirit of Elijah. And people will be like, yes, because Elijah is a man that you know the story that he called fire from heaven. It looks extraordinary. But if you had heard anyone say, this is the spirit of John the Baptist. I know someone that calls himself power, yeah? That if you said this is the spirit of John the Baptist, he would say, God forbid, and curse you. Why? Because you see, real power is to be discerned. It's not publicly seen. Power that can be seen by everyone is not power. Because you can stop it. Do you know, yeah, again, and I was hearing this, so this is words I heard, so in case it's not true, there's the president, there's the, there's the president, and then there's the presidency. The presidency are the people that put the president in power, meaning they are the real power. But do you know who they are? God is the ultimate power. Have you ever seen him? But you are to discern him. Mighty power, real power is discerned. You look at PTN. It was years ago before we saw jewelers after him, before we saw cars. That I used to tell some of you guys that I had a conviction. I saw something and knew that this is a prince with God. I was saying things I didn't even understand. But I knew this man had power. 
This was before, again, we went to churches that someone will roll just by walking past you. And everyone will say power. But like I said, that's not power. Screaming is also not power. Because real power is silent. Do you hear me? Real, real power is silent. Doesn't shout, but people speak for him. So John says, in order for you to even be able to discern him, you're going to have to discern the power you see. You don't see me with resources and that's not the kind of man we're going to be because the Bible says, look, the kingdom, the people before the kingdom, um, John the Baptist was the, um, the highest of them all. But thank God the Bible says, look, even the lowest is higher than him. So I don't know if he had finances. Maybe that's yet for me to realize. But at least we know that, you see, John, in the power he had to call out governors to him, John was in a position whereby governors could not ignore him. They had to leave where they are to seek you. You know, every time PT speaks and you hear the police trying to look into the nation or you see that government or, or business or media outlets are trying to look into the nation, that's a man of power. A man that recognizes his space but draws men out of theirs. PT didn't need to go to them and you realize that those that said that they went to number 10, powerless. Powerful is being able to say, come here, without saying, come here. And that's what we had to recognize of John. So John says, recognize me and then you'll recognize him. Again, real power is that people speak for you. Look at what he says. And this was his message. Go on. After me comes the one more powerful than I. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. Yeah. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. There's something you look for with me. There's a certain influence I can have over you. But you see what this man will do with you. It's untold. The things that he will begin to bring about on you. It's untold what it's been. So you can only measure that by what's relatable right now. That's why I have to do the, compa the, co um, the comparison between the baptism of water and then the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit to governors? But whatever convicted you to accept something as small as baptism of water, you can only imagine what baptism of Holy Spirit will do. Verse 9. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Yeah. Just as Jesus was coming. Notice up, that Jesus, he just came subtle, didn't speak. Didn't come announcing himself. The most powerful in all existence didn't need to speak because even before he gets there, the person that God is with, men will speak for so don't be in a rush to prove anything embrace your process what i said to one of your sisters embrace it because if not you'll jump ahead of your time and actually destroy yourself christ was not looking for people for 30 years he existed amongst people he didn't just drop from heaven for 30 years he was amongst these people but he was not recognized but at the fullness of times others began to speak for him are you sure you're here with me tonight? Others began to speak for him. And now he just comes like others came. Others came were reputable individuals. 
the men recognized as governors, as king's men and all of these things. People knew who he was. But remember who Jesus was. If there was anyone that knew him, they knew him as a carpenter's son. He didn't look noble because real power is not blown in people's faces. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, look at what happened. Go on. He saw heaven being torn open. This will be the second witness, but go on. And the spirit descending on him like a dove. Yeah. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son. Did you see in this chapter already, two voices have spoken for him. And a man and God spoke for him. Remember, John. it was said of John that he was a voice in the wilderness. A cry in the wilderness. Speaking of Christ. Till now we have not heard Christ speak for himself. And now a voice came from heaven. Look at what he says. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. The voice of God's man, John, the man sent from God, was speaking to the people. The voice from heaven was speaking to the man. Was speaking to the son. And the voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now I taught this, I taught this from the scripture years ago. Imagine God saying that he's pleased with a man that we have not yet seen his works. Usually you're pleased with someone after they've done things. We have not even heard Christ speak. But God says, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now keep that in mind. And carry on reading for me. At once the spirit sent him out into the wilderness. I'm talking to you again. Moving on from the conversation of sent. Because God is getting ready to send people. What I want us to look into. Is the activities. Of when you're sent. What do you do when you're sent? You challenge. Look at what happens. The spirit. The heaven was torn open. And the spirit descended on him like a dove. It's, it's that you can only, maybe it's because I like to think imagery. Torn seems violent. Dove seems peaceful. It's like, it's to every extreme. This power is both gentle and violent. Who this man was going to be, was going to beat. Is going to stretch. Why I'm speaking emphasis on this, because who we're speaking about here is referred to as the firstborn we come after meaning that you are like him the power that is spoken of him in your full maturity men will speak for you and god will speak for you and you see the things you can do if it needs to be peaceful it will beat the imagination of people if it needs to be violent it will also beat the imagination of people david was a man that played the harp one of the most peaceful instruments but he was the man that killed the most looking like the most violent of men at once the spirit what did the spirit do go on the spirit sent him out into the wilderness the spirit sent him the spirit's duty over christ was to send him where did he send him i said to you earlier that when god gets involved in you he does not first send you to land he does not first send you to abundance he sends you to a place without definition. 
he sends you to a place where there's no system why would he send you to a place without system so that you can prove system how do you prove a system within a system so i understand what giving does for us when we offload giving when we offload finances we remove ourselves from a system now we're in a wilderness where we have to force a system what God wants to bring out of everyone, what God wants to bring out of a house of prosperity, out of misprosperity, is a system. So he has to first allow you to be in a bare land. A land where you cannot hang or hide behind anything. Meaning, wilderness actually is exposure. You are exposed to a place of vulnerability. Because system, you can imagine there's many buildings. You can hide behind buildings. But in the wilderness, there's no such thing. It's just the land bare opens. So you are vulnerable. But there, in that vulnerability, you know something about pets. A lot of the times you see them flee. But you put them in a place of vulnerability and you realize they're very violent. I told you what the word does. The word is meant to bring you to a place of provocation their things that men cannot do with their own hands come out of you it was when we when our back was against the wall check the patterns new things came out this is not the first time when it looks like our back is against the wall so we have to accept that the proposals that we met or that we made will be met with trials and challenges we have to accept that because your proposals being considered challenge the ground the battle the place of challenge is where god begins to consider your proposal at once the spirit sent him out into the wilderness go on and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by satan yeah he was with the wild animals and angels attended him. let's read from verse 12 in the voice as well look at what it said in the niv he was in the wilderness again 40 days come up this significance of 40 why has the pattern of 40 gone throughout generations for ge look generations there's just something about god assigning look 40 yeah whether 40 days 40 years when you see in scripture it's not about the number that's why if someone fasted 40 days it does not evoke god it doesn't provoke god 40 is to describe something orchestrated by God. It speaks of a definitive moment. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's a time outside of a time. Your days of training is a time outside of time. The days where you seem like you're being taken into obscurity is a time where others are not privileged to see into but it also looks like your life is done. 40 represents a generation. It's like you've lost your life there. That's what I was trying to say to you on Tuesday when I said to you that when they went to Spiderland for 40 days, 40 being, it's like they lost their life to Canaan. It's like it's forgotten. For 40 days, it was said that Moses was on a mountaintop. But what was attributed to that? Am I correct with that? What was attributed to that? Do you remember what was attributed to that? They didn't know when he would come back. To others, it was like he was lost. 40 represents a time 
where you're brought away almost like you're irrelevant to the world. We live in cities, in towns, in places, areas where we are not even aware of what happens because you're in your days of 40s. You're in the time, a definitive moment. And you know what you need to recognize about that moment? These moments, the 40 days, the 40 years are usually plagued with problems that seem like will never go away. I'm going ahead of myself. He was in the wilderness for 40 days. So again, 40 days is the time, it's the divine time God has given to your training. That can be one day physically. That could be 10 years physically. All we know is that it's defined by God. That's what 40 represents. Now he was in the wilderness for 40 days, beat, being tempted by who? Satan. You know, Satan is an interesting character in scripture because he flourishes because he is permitted by God. Satan, God does not tempt because he created who tempts. But Satan could not have done this by his own power because the Bible says the spirit sent him there. The spirit, and in this case, and I know this sounds wild, but the spirit and Satan were working hand in hand here. Why? Because they needed to form a man. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. What, how, what else happened? Go on. He was with the wild animals. He was with the wild animals. And? And angels attended. Verse 12 in the voice. After that, the spirit compelled him to go into the wilderness. I love the word compelled. That's why I took the mic earlier when you start to sing, pursue. Look at, let's get the definition of compel. Are you in a rush tonight? Doesn't matter. You know me. That's just a setup. I'll talk as long as I need to. Compel. Force or oblige someone to do something. The, you know, people say the spirit does not force you to do anything. You have not engaged with the spirit. The spirit compelled him to go into the wilderness. Meaning he didn't want to. But he had to. You know, a lot of the situations we are faced with are situations we do not want. But we have to be in. Speaking with Pyrrhix, speaking with a Francis, Pastor Francis, and you look at situations we were in six years ago. These are not situations we wanted, but we had to be in it because the Spirit was making a man. The Spirit was making a people. Let me tell you something. The Spirit uses physical things. Do not be too spiritual. Meaning that there are some circumstances that the Spirit of God sent you into. Sometimes you'll be sitting and you know and the Spirit knows that you're not that wise. So why not protect me from these things? The Spirit compelled, forced you into a situation, forced you into a position that we call back up against the wall that you'll be forced to obey. You'll be forced to create a way where there seems to be none. After that, the Spirit compelled. Read the definition again. Force or oblige someone to do something. Force or oblige someone to do something. Is there any other um, definition? 
Bring about something by the use of force or pressure. Bring about something by the use of force or what? Or pressure. Or pressure. If you're under pressure, I acknowledge, we acknowledge it's not a situation we wanted. But the spirit compelled us, the spirit pushed us into it. The spirit pushed us into a wilderness because there's something he wants to do. You want to say something? Message. Go on. At once, this same spirit pushed Jesus out into the world. You know, push is like Jesus was standing and he don't want to, but the spirit pushed him. It's like move. It's whether you like it or not. You know, how do you know someone that's moved by the spirit or not? For me, giving is, you know, some people giving is an option for people that have the spirit giving is a force it's a command as in you have no choice and we will start to see the power of god if we accept it acceptance as we have seen it recently is something that the believer struggles they struggle to accept situations but who knew that in the death of an era, another was, a, was to rise. Sometimes, and that's why we believe that there's certain things that you cannot get through unless you go through. There's no circumventing it. There's no going around it. You have to go through it. There are times that it looks like you have to go through shame and you have to strengthen yourself. There's times that you have to go through losses and you have to learn how to encourage yourself. There are times that you have to be abused. And I said to some of your sisters, you see situations like this, I've been bantering and saying that, look, I know that this is not what you bargained for. But you see how you get through this? You absorb it. You absorb it. You don't run away from the problems. Your situation, you may feel that you're not the person under heat now. If I was you, I'll partner up with them. I will feel it with them because that pressure is making them into something because I started off the word telling you this year that there's going to be a refinement of the house. The Bible says that I will sit over the house of the Levites so that after all of these things, what they offer to me will be done in righteousness. A, a diamond is not fully realized if it does not undergo pressure imagine a diamond that does not say that says that they don't want to go through pressure it loses its own value it forfeits the discovery of what they could really be so you know sometimes we want to shy away from speaking and yes it's pressure but go for it you know so i understand that when the spirit of god is doing a work upon someone they don't have a choice when you still have a choice, it's not yet the spirit. The spirit does not yet trust you. You have not been, you have not matured to the place that the spirit can move you because you still have say over your life. But like we saw, the word cannot be changed. Anything can happen to me, but because of the word's sake, we will still stand strong. The Bible says at once the spirit pushed Jesus into the wild. The message is where you were reading it from. At once, this same spirit. This same spirit, yeah. Pushed Jesus out into the world. Why I had to say this same spirit is because we just met the spirit as a dove. We thought the spirit does not, it's not violent. We thought that the word of God or the things of God, when you first came into the nation, it looked beautiful. It looked like something that anyone would handle. But it says that, you see, that same spirit 
that came upon you that made you declare your allegiance to the nation it's the same spirit that put you in an issue it's the same spirit that gave you a sword soaked in blood at once this same spirit pushed jesus out into the wild yeah for 40 what i'm trying to say to you is that if you're in god you do not forfeit or you do not throw in the towel because you believe that someone has the advantage over you there's no throwing in the towel because there's nothing that can happen to a pastor obi outside of the word it's a realization you must have there are things that god is doing that you don't recognize that god is the one behind it because the person near you is satan okay so you didn't hear me with that remember it was the spirit that pushed him there but who did he see satan so i don't care if it looks like it's satan doing it i need to know who's behind it why is it that in the binding of satan nothing changes it's because you still haven't recognized that it's him it's god behind it who was behind the affliction of job job can only see satan losing a child is definitely a work of satan but guess who was behind it god and his time, the allotted time, will not be once he's cried enough. It will be the declaration of time God gave. Job could have cried after the first affliction. That was not going to move God because for the time that God has given is how long he has to be in it. The Israelites could have been slaves for 10 years now. And it wasn't going to move God because he said it's going to be 430. For 40 wilderness days go on for 40 wilderness days and nights he was tested by satan what happened wild animals were his companions look at who became his companions wild animals and what happened and angels took care of him. go back to the voice verse 12 again after that the spirit compelled him to go into the wilderness yeah and there in the desert he stayed for 40 days. You know what a desert is. Yeah, so it's not even a forest where there's shade. You're struggling to find shade. It's hot in these places that sometimes you think you saw water. And when you get closer, you don't see water. How do you know you're in the desert days? Have you ever been in the business? I know this is going to bring something. And then as you get closer, it doesn't. Desert days. Wilderness. And it's a place you don't want to be. But if you be the man that goes into the land with power, you cannot escape it. How do we then find encouragement and take refuge in the word? Is knowing that it is God behind it. So it's not for our bad, it's actually for our good, for our edification. He says, and there in the desert he stayed for 40 days. What happened? He was tested by Satan himself. Yeah. And surrounded by wild animals. But look at this. Why well, I wanted this translation because it emphasizes it a bit. Go on. But through these trials, heavenly messengers cared for him and ministered to him. You know, when you're in a problem, you want to find a person that you can hold on to. You say, this is my leader and you hold on to them physically. And even though that's beautiful and proper, it must be heavenly messengers that has the responsibility of your care. What does heavenly messengers mean? Me hugging you has nothing 
on me speaking here. People look for um, meetings. And yes, that's good. And yes, God speaks there. But it's never as powerful as these moments. The problem why you won't hear these things is because you have not yet made the word your opinion. You have not yet made the word your constitution. So there's still feelings you have which makes you not hear the word. So someone say, but you didn't address my issue. It's impossible. The issue you have is what you have not recognized. And the answer you don't have is the one you have not recognized. Meaning that the only issue we have is that which the word has given us. Outside that, I don't count as an issue. Therefore, the answer I need for that issue is therefore is the word that comes out of it. Because even though you're in the wilderness days, in that wilderness days, you are alone. In that wilderness days, when you, need, when, you need, when you need to be encouraged, it's heavenly messages. What is heavenly messages? Have you ever meditated to a place that the word is spoken to you like a person? Have you ever spoken to yourself and the word comes to you like a person speaking? As in, it's like me and Pastor Elohim were speaking, but I can have specific answers. I know I'm not wise heavenly messages that care for him are are counselors when you're in your room by yourself and there are situations that hit you that you cannot show your people you cannot show the person next and closest to you but there you hear a word of encouragement but david encouraged himself there was a certain circumstance that even created a divide amongst him and his mighty men his mighty men had got to a place where they said to, of themselves, let us stone David. Everything they've seen of David at that point, they've now said, let's kill him. They blamed him. So at that moment, he was by himself. But what made a man that was despondent, what made a man that was distressed, crying like they were, be able to rally and mobilize a generation, a people? He heard a word. This word came to him. It was like a person. The heavenly messenger, because the heavenly messengers, we're going to say is angels, but look, physically, where have you seen angels? It's a word that is like a friend speaking to you. It's not an aimless word. It's like all of a sudden you hear what you need to hear. That took care of him. So God's not going to leave you in this time. This is why I said the word is so important. And your growth in hearing the word is important because there's times in your business you don't know what next to do. But if you're in the right position, if the spirit was the one that pushed you and you remained there. Because I don't think this, look, I don't think that the, the desert was a place that he couldn't walk out of. If he walked into it, he knows that he could just turn around and walk out, no? But I think this scripture also speaks of someone willing to stay where the Spirit pushed him. And he would stay there until the Spirit says he should come out. When would he know that the Spirit has told him to come out? The Spirit also puts you in a circumstance. I said to you before, if you remember, that circumstances are the way God speaks. It's circumstance. You find yourself in a situation. It's God speaking. But I told you, please, why I'm repeating all of these things is so that you don't lose me along the way. I said to you that, you see, speaking, oh, how do I say this now? Speaking is circumstances. Not only circumstances, it's, 
it's power that must be discerned. If you look at a circumstance and you're not, your heart is not on God, you will see this as a problem. If your heart is on God, you will discern God in it. Do you understand? Because real power can only be discerned. He says, and there in the desert, he stayed for 40 days, yeah? He was tested by Satan himself and surrounded by wild animals. But through these trials, heavenly messengers cared for him and ministered to him. And ministered to him. So let me do actually what's going to be very random. It's almost not even in line with this, but I want to throw the scripture. Proverbs 27 again. You see the Mark 1 that we've read? Keep it in mind. I'm not coming to give you revelation, but I'm trying to show you what happens where you're sent. What I'm trying to show you here is the, the spies that were sent to the land of Canaan, including the 10 that were fearful. Did you notice that their fear did not permit them to leave before 40 days? If you're sent somewhere, you have to stay there. Now, what we want to do is, through scripture, know what happened during those 40 days. Proverbs 27, I believe, right? Yes, sir. Read it for me. Go on. Verse 23. Go on. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. Yeah. For riches do not endure forever. Uh-huh. And a crown is not secure. I'll for repeat this because it's safe to repeat in his word time. Listen to me. Yeah. You apply this to your houses. You apply this to your finances. You apply this to your life and the running of you. Without you paying close attention and being sure, not assuming, but sure to know the state of your flock, which comes out of focusing. Due diligence, like I spoke the word to you already. If you do not do that, you will not come to the awareness. You will not be wise enough to know that riches do not endure forever. Meaning that if I have something running for me right now, it does not mean it will always run. But it also does not mean it has to end. The reason why you're to pay attention is because if you pay attention well enough, if you keep looking, it will last. Not because by itself it can last, but because of your diligence. If a stream has to die, the, you, if you pay attention, in your paying attention, you'll find what to do at that moment so that there's never a moment of lack. For riches do not endure forever. Go on. And a crown is not secure. For a reputable name. An honorable name. A place or position is not secure naturally. Imagine a king in the days that which in the in the days when kingdoms fight against kingdoms. Imagine a king that pays no attention to who his cupbearer is. He thinks because he's king, he's going to remain as king. No, there are predators. There are people that will come close to you. What a shepherd must accept is that predators will always, whether shepherd is there or not, predators will always come for your sheep. So you have to be sensitive. You have to be attentive. You have to pay attention. 
And how do you do that? It's still the word. Because you see, as we speak the word, there's a wisdom that you clock. And it starts to tell you how to maneuver. Like I said, you don't even know the cupbearer that you've trusted for years when he's been compromised. You don't know when he's been compromised. Heard about a king the other day. That though he's king, he has greater convoy than governors. Why? Because he knows that his position can be compromised. It's not secure. Even if you have many security, you have to pay attention. You have to discern. You have to see what you cannot see as an ordinary man. And a crown is not secure for all generations. Yeah. When the hay is removed and new growth appears and the grass from the hills is gathered in, the lambs will provide you with clothing and the goats with the price of a field. You will have plenty of goat's milk to feed your family and to nourish your female servants. Now keep that scripture in mind. I tell you honestly, it's completely off what I'm saying tonight. But I need you to keep that in mind. Where I need us to go, and I need you to bear with me because it's a long chapter. I didn't want to read it, but I think we're just going to have to read it. 1 Samuel 17. The word is challenge. Now, I want you to know about 1 Samuel 17. To save you time, but when you have the time, go and read it. If you look, why am I rushing this? Get 1 Samuel 16 up for me. I don't know why I'm rushing this. It's not like I feel a type of way. <clears throat> like I care where you have to go. That's one. First Samuel 16. I want you to look at this. I'm showing you something so that you can look, you can learn through scripture to pay attention. I Look, I can bet you anything, yeah, that the person that fails in life is the person that cannot be attentive. So sometimes, even the design and the putting together of scripture forces you to pay attention. So I want you to look at 1 Samuel 16 from verse 14. Now the spirit of the Lord had, de had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Now look at what's happened before here. Samuel has been instructed by God to go into the house of Jesse and locate or anoint rather the man that I will show you. That's what God said. The king, the new king of Israel. Remember that there's a king in place already. But God says that I want to anoint another king. Now have that in mind. So what's happened before here is the anointing of David. Now look at it, it says, Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Go on. Saul's You're going to have to run quick, because this is not my point, but it's going to be long. But go on. Saul's attendant said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the lyre. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you, and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, Find someone who plays well and bring him to me. Yeah. One of the servants answered. One of the servants answered, saying, I, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lion. Interesting. He is a brave man and a warrior. Where did they know this from? 
He is a brave man and a warrior. Where did they know this from? Okay, carry on reading. Go on. He speaks well and is a fine looking man. And the Lord is with him. The Lord is with him. Can we just encourage ourselves in saying, not say, don't need to say it. I don't like that thing. But the, <laughs> I don't like it. It's so cringe. But can you just encourage yourself and know it doesn't matter where you are now, Goldie, yeah, or whoever. The Lord is with you. Just accept that, yeah? Because it's a CV that is read. As small and as religious as it sounds, it's usually at the end of a statement is the most powerful thing. Him being brave is by the way. Him being a warrior is by the way. Why? Is he the only brave guy? Is he the only warrior? Is he the only one that speaks well? Or is he the only fine looking man? But the end of the statement is what you must take boldly into all your worlds. That the Lord is with him. When God wants to familiarize himself or reference himself to somebody, he can look at Basola and say, that's my man. He looks at Lydia and he says, that's my man. I'm using man intentionally. He looks at Elohim and said, that's my man. Like people will know. You know, when God is with somebody, observers can see it. Carry on reading. Then Saul sent messages to Jesse and said, send me your son David, who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey. Loaded Powerful scripture there. I know we read it quick, but hey, they knew him as the man with the sheep. You know what's important is that men that are powerful, yeah, situations just have it that they're sent for. What makes them powerful is never where they wandered by themselves. They're sent. You can't ignore that. Keep that in mind as well. So Jesse took a donkey. Loaded with bread, yeah. a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them with his son David to Saul. Yeah. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much and David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse saying, He liked him so much, yeah, and he became what? One of his armor bearers. Why? Because he can play the um, liar. You know, if we don't question these things, I've actually realized that even the way the scripture is written is training. It's training you, but you can only discern it. And discernment is by paying attention. It takes focus. Don't let your mind wander now. All of these things are intentionally said. Again, have you asked yourself on what basis? They said he's a warrior. They said he's a um, brave man. There's many things said about people. You used to beef people that many things were said of them until you met them and what was said of them was not true. So this would have been a costly move to look at this and then make the man, not just a man in your, not just a soldier, your armor bearer. So there's something we're not paying attention to in this scripture, obviously. Do you understand what I'm getting to? Then Saul sent word... The then Saul sent word to Jesse saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. Yeah. Whenever the spirit from God came on Saul, David, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul, 
he would feel better and the evil spirit would leave him. Okay, so we've seen David in the scripture in Saul's service. Yeah? Now, sorry, I've given you your work now. Chapter 17. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Sokol in Judah. Yeah. They pitched their camp at Ephes the Mim between Sokol and Azekah. Sokol sounds like a Ghanaian. <laughs> it sounds Ghanaian, isn't it? Sokol. <laughs> Saul, <laughs> Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with a valley between them. Mm. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and his iron point and his, and its iron point weighed six hundred shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Again, I'm not sure how much of a giant Goliath is. I don't know if I've got a thing about giants now, but I think it speaks of how great he is. And why do I say this? Scripture started to talk about his armory, right? And you know later, when David is permitted to fight, the first thing they want to put on David is Saul's armor. Why Saul's armor? It speaks of the wealth. It speaks of resources. It speaks of name, character. So yes, I'm not... Well, anyway, you can believe what you want to believe. But I think every description that speaks of great sizes speaking about how experienced how successful his track record um you could not just come across armory this thick it's expensive so you know that he's been in many wars and he's won many plunder you know that as you're going to see later because i don't know if it was the situation of god or david's greed that put him here but he was looking for reward. Yeah. I think you can tell of Goliath that he's had many rewards. Hence why he's called the champion that came from the Philistines. Keep these things in mind. Meaning that Goliath has faced people before and destroyed them. Go on. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel. Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. So look at this. I said to you last week, Saturday, that um, proposals will eventually have invitations. David has just been anointed as king. The question is, even Samuel could not have known, unless it's prophetic, even Samuel could not have known David to be a warrior. 
because we always refer to David being in the backside of the desert. And at this point, supposedly, he's never fought a war. Yeah? So, when we look at David as a king that will go in and out for his people, it's interesting how we got to certain conclusions. It seems I'm going far, but this is why I'm saying that, you know, I said that this quarter is going to be for filtering and, and refinement. And you have to do everything to hold on. So you're not even filtered in the place of the word. If he is able to fight me. So look, the invitation now came. You know what's interesting is that what will make a man great usually isn't specified for an individual. It's an open invitation. The proposal, look, the invitation of Goliath was a proposal. It says, look, let the entire outcome or let the outcome of this entire war be decided between the fight of two men. We don't need all the Philistines. He says, look, whoever is a loser to that fight between two people, because in a generation... There are problems that plague a generation. Did you see, because we were reading quickly, did you see that, or maybe we haven't got there, did you see that Goliath was coming, harassing, and def we haven't got there yet, but he was coming against the Israelites for 40 days. A time allotted by God. That's the reason why they couldn't go. Because this situation was looking for somebody. You know the problems that we have faced that seem like it can't go and it's not going. You've prayed, bind and loose and it hasn't left. It's because God has put it out as an open invitation. The problem is that you will see Satan, but you won't see the God behind it. The God that orchestrates moments, def definitive, defining mo moments. We do not even know it. We do not recognize it. There were men who were trained as soldiers but did not recognize opportunity because they, their eyes were not fixed on word. It was fixed on problems. And in that problem, they became cowards. But let me not read ahead of myself. If he is able to fight me, so in other words, this proposal is, look, come against me. You know my track record. You see the things that my attire, the armory, but dare to fight me. You know, poverty is fighting wealth family. The moment we spoke wealth, the moment we began to pray last week and we began to say, propose to God over your houses and over you what you'll be given, poverty has defeated many men. I'm trying to say that poverty is a champion. It's a champion and it's dressed with many things. So it can come in many ways. The fact that you're trying to lift your head over poverty, this nation, because Satan, uh, Satan created London, yeah? They will make you feel like you're a criminal before you've done anything incriminating. And if you're not careful, why the instruction is challenge is that when Goliath begins to speak, when problems come, 
you realize your first bet, especially if you're a black person, you start to run away. You're a soldier. Please don't forget where we started. You're a soldier. And soldiers are the people that God looks at expecting to wield their sword. But you looked past your sword and you saw the size of the problem. And the Bible says for 40 days with the open invitation, there were some that will come to the battle lines, but when he rose, they run back. God does not like those that shrink back. The open invitation is for the one that will accept the challenge and it will not go because you see poverty poverty does not fight with with troops it comes because it believes it's bigger than you it believes before you engage in battle it believes that you already have heard of his successes do you know what's the problem about poverty do you know what's the problem about sickness whatever you want to call for me I know it's um, lack and poverty that we're fighting the problem is he's not also aware of your CV so he boasts in the generational wins he's had against men and you see it but again if you don't have the word if you cannot discern real power when he comes, you'll run away. So let me address something. There's no situation in front of us that makes us shy, shy away. The first thing that came, when you hear things, you start thinking, okay, let's hide. You don't hide. Because what you're doing, you know that your situation, yes, there's things we put in measure, but you do know that that means we speak even more violently said to the house of influence you do know now that this means that you give more violently this is not a, this you give to a place that you're given is visible it, it, you don't allow i said to some people that look even if a camp is slayed in half cut in half the roar of the half must be even more than when we were fought we don't expect the reduction or whatever to make us weaker because the pattern of God is that he always filters until it's strong enough for him. If he is able to fight me, fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Look at this. We know the story, so I will be going in and out because I know you know the story. Now, we know that David accepted this open invitation, right? Without preparation, apparently so. But the preparation of David was the lion and the bear, as you know. That's what he had to read as his CV. He had to detail to King Saul his heroic feats. And do you know what's interesting to me? The lion, think about it. The lion, if it comes against his sheep, as, as violent as the lion is, do you know a lion can only take one sheep at a time? A lion cannot grab two at a time. It's not like he holds one and says, stay there. The bear can, as big and ferocious as a bear is, it can only take one at a time. But that was preparation preparation was that and it's from this scripture i realized that we don't speak of him but jesse was a very powerful man because it cannot be 
a coincidence that all his sons turned out to be military men. But how do I know he's powerful? Not because of that. I know he's powerful because you have to ask yourself, David, why would you not return to your dad and tell him that a lion came for one of the sheep? David, something, whether it's God or whatever, something made David know that there's no way that he can return to his father with the story of a missing sheep. So even if the sheep is in the mouth of the lion, David knew he could still resuscitate the sheep. You know, some there are situations where sheep is in the mouth of the lion, but it has not been digested yet. David's goal into the lion's mouth and snatches. Because where I was ending up, and I don't know why I'm doing this now, where I was ending up to close this service was going to be, if you are faithful with little, you'll be faithful with much. The battles against the lion and the bear, which is one issue at a time, can never compare to Goliath, which was going to threaten the very existence of Israel. Because if they lost that fight, this was not going to be one sheep. This was going to be the whole of Israel in servitude to the Philistines. They would have lost their nation. They would have lost what they represented. They would have lost their religion. They would have lost the constitutional law that separated them as a nation. So God allowed that open invitation to show the nation who would be king. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. And But if I overcome him and kill him, yeah? You will become our subjects and servants. So you're going to have to read quick. Go on. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Can we get a definition of defy also? Give me a man and let us fight each other. Yeah. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. On hearing the words, on hearing the threats. You know everything you're seeing is only a threat. It's not anything. In hearing the threats, what happened to Saul and the Israelites, though they were soldiers, they were not the men that God designed for Israel. Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Do you remember the other day looking at some people and like El said, it looked like a wake. I said, no, no way. This can't happen to us. After all of this, it's not now that people... You, you know you can look at someone you're just thinking this person's reconsidering you, you can just it's just like they're reconsidering you're just looking at it's just reconsidering I don't want to do this no more <laughs> but look what was able to make them terrified threats said to some people if you've really given your life you will not care what happens to it do you understand that? You have to consider yourself as a dead person to go and fight a lion. Do you know what a lion is? A man that you're fighting, you can try and say sorry and he may consider it. A lion, if you scream, feels threatened so he kills you worse. You can't speak to animals. Do you understand? And on top of that, they were wild to tell you their expression. On hearing the Philistines' words, 
Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Go on. Now, How long have we been speaking for now? Only two hours. I've tried though. Go on. Now David was the son of keep an me up. Keep me updated. Yeah, we're gonna go for it. Go on. Now David was the son of an Ephrathite named Je named Jesse. Yeah. He was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time, he was very old. Yeah. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Now pause here. Have you ever seen this scripture? That's fine. Have you ever seen the scripture? It's because it's Tumashe. You can't get angry at Tumashe. But this SoundCloud is, to st is a witness <laughs> that you'll know that you interrupted me. I'm joking. But David went back and forth. I read to you, oh, the uh, Pastor Ibi read to you chapter 16. And there were questions we had there, like, how did you know he was a warrior? Let me tell you something about scripture. Scripture has never stapled and said that what you read is in its chronological order. The Bible told us here that David went back and forth from Saul. You know, at this point in the reading, David had not yet come to the campsite. But they needed to tell you that David was a, was a regular visitor to the service of Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to tend his sheep. So look, there were certain places that he had moved into. And we're going to see how he got there. He moved into certain spaces. And when he moved to certain spaces, David was further promoted. Because you remember that Goliath was not his end or battle. David was further promoted to the next level of fight. Because even when he became or even when he came to the king's service, he went to back what mattered most to him, which was tending the sheep. Let me explain. Some people serve and service gets them a job, let's say, or gets them a position. And guess what they do? They allow it to compromise what mattered most, which was tending the sheep. You see people that get into places of power. You know, I used to complain because there, there was a bad stigma. And I'm going to say it so that they can work on it. There was a bad stigma on storehouse boys that I can be across the road speaking and they can be listening to me from across the road. <laughs> I said, this is madness. I said, this is, this is craziness. Do you know what happened? You've got into a situation where you feel you have something that makes you not cherish what's important to God. You, what you didn't recognize was that David was further promoted in accordance to how often he referred back, he went back to tending the sheep. So how do I make sure Basola gets powerful? As she's doing a law house, I must still give her the mic. As she's doing a law house, I must still say to her, I must still say to her Grace, to her Christopher and all the team, you do know you have to tend. You cannot be someone that's saying, okay, now we bring tens of thousands and you have no time to tend because that's not the practice of David. You look at PT, most, probably the most busiest man you've ever come to know. But a Thursday is tending time. 
a Sunday is tending. A businessman that cannot keep up his tending will see his business die because if you're not faithful with little, you will not be faithful with much. So keep that in mind. Verse 16, go on. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening. And 40 days and God did not strike him. Why did God not strike him? Because God sent him. How do we know that? 40 days, God's orchestrated time in birthing a nation. For 40 years, they were in the wilderness before God birthed them as a nation. For 40 days, Christ was in the wilderness because he was going to be given as a son to the nations. For 40 days, Moses was at the top of the mountain because he was going to bring what will birth a nation. He will bring a constitutional law that will now define them as a nation. For 40 days, the Philistine came. I asked for the definition of defy. Did you find it? Please read it for me. To dare, to provoke, to combat or strive yeah. by appealing to the courage of another, to invite one to contest, to challenge as Goliath defied the army. Do you see Israel. the word for us today? When you see things that should make you dismayed and terrified, it's an open challenge. The reward is for the person that has courage. But why does he have courage? The word. This is a man familiar with the word. And I said familiar with the word. Again, I have to keep repeating things so you don't lose me because of how long this is. The word is not just the reciting of it. Remember that the word is a sword. Every time you're with your... Let me tell you something. God gives you sheep so that you can fight battles. That's what I'm trying to say to you. If you have people... So you see when you start getting into girls in trade in the subdivision of trade family or whatever, the, you're getting into um, the law community, you're getting into sound minds and you're getting into all the world. All these people is because God knows that the only way you take a kingdom is by war. So he has to give you a people that will force you. So it's inevitable that your sheep will cause you to face a lion. Whether it's the lion's fault or the sheep straying, it doesn't matter to God. God wants to see if the shepherd had become a warrior because he's really a shepherd. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God wants to see if you've become a shepherd or if you are an Israelite that cowers when threatened. He wants to see if the words you've been hearing, you understand it that it's a sword and it's more potent than the than the resources or the artillery of day that you are to face do you understand what you're receiving every sunday when pt is speaking do you understand what you're receiving every time a pt is speaking on a thursday or i'm speaking on a tuesday or any of the leaders do you realize it's a sword because if you don't realize it when an open invitation to challenge comes you will not be able to discern that's your moment to take the throne you will not understand you will think that this is your great fall when this was actually your great rising you want to read something go on another definition go on to challenge to do something considered impossible oh, i love that thank you sir he came out god inspired goliath to come out to challenge to bring out he god used goliath to bring out the man that does the impossible 
what will be considered a miracle a boy not trained in the army ranks to kill a man that has been a warrior from his youth as Saul will tell him was tell David to do the impossible what was impossible to Saul was actually natural to David because David had become God how do you know you're a God are you not God's who the word has come to the word had come to David every time he was tending because God's concerned about your sheep if a nana accepts mobilization as her tending she must know that situations will come up that will threaten her but she must be able to rise in courage because of the words she's heard and she uses the sword to bring her victory so God was not concerned that David was looking for reward because David was able to discern this was his moment for 40 days the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand go on now Jesse said to his son David take this effort of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit see how your brothers are and bring back some and bring back some assurance from them did you realize that david did not find himself there by accident meaning you can't force yourself it will come to you how does it come to you david was sent David was sent. Look, if David had gone a day before, he would not have had victory there. He was sent there and he happened to be sent the day that he stumbled to hear the open challenge. When you hear defiant Israel, we've read the translation, he was, there was a challenge. There was an opportunity to show what you believe you have. But did you realize also what he was sent to do? bring back a report read verse 18 again take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit see how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them one of the translations says bring back a report when you're sent there's someone you have to report back to you don't understand what i'm saying jesse was a powerful man because he was the example of god to david Every time he was tending, if Diana's in charge of the admin, she has to understand the reason why she must be excellent is because there's someone you have to report. You have to, you have to model, coordinate your, your, your service in a way that you understand you're not, you're not your own leader there. If a pastor Alicia is someone you have to report to, you build your life around that because that's the little that God is trying to test your faithfulness. If you're in the choir, there are situations that are hard. I believe that Jesse was an austere man. I think he was a difficult person. I think he was hard. That's why David knew he could dare not return home with the excuse of even one missing. Because as for his dad, his dad was a wealthy man and he expects you to look after it. If you're in the Livingstone Nation, it's expected I'm telling you in your instruction, if you want to hear it, you have to understand that to a pastor gifty or to a pastor crystal, doesn't matter how talented you are, doesn't matter how well people applaud you, the practice of you learning that you have to come back with a report, that you are accountable to someone, is what's going to bring you your great victory in the days to come. 
see how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them bring back a report that's what we're sent to do so when pt says pastor cod i know that i just realized oh i'm not going to lose anyone that's meant to be here we will fight we, listen we'll fight and risk it we will do the impossible I'm telling you, if there's things that you follow, that you say we stopped a plane, we've done this, we'll keep doing the impossible. We'll fight, we'll fight systems that are well decorated, that have all the right words. We'll fight them. And if we're David, we will cover the sheep that's in the mouth of the lion. Because sometimes we tap out and we think, oh, it's already digested. David did not save them when they were put when it was in the mouth. When it's in the mouth, there's no, look, there's no denying that there was some injury. But I would prefer injury than loss. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them, yeah? They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistine. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed he reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel These men were shouting, but no one was daring to go and fight. The victory is not in your shout. The victory is in your daring to engage. So if all we do is talk, but after this word we don't engage, we're like the Israelites who shouted every morning but still ran away when the champion came. You see, like, I heard a funny story that um, some, of your, um, some of your brothers were going somewhere to go and get their clothes. Some of your brothers, unquote. They may be girls, they may be men. It doesn't matter. And then, clueless. You know when people do things clueless, sometimes you think they're so absent-minded or dopey, but... Clueless, um, someone called Posh, um, that drives a ban, <laughs> a black ban. <laughs> you know what he does? He plays a track here yeah, that starts off with sirens. <laughs> so the people are there, like, what are you running from? You see, you've been shouting. But any little sign of Goliath talking, you're running. <laughs> Can you still read the Bible with this laugh? <laughs> Verse 21. Right. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. Yeah. David left Feel his free, feel free. Don't lay it out, lay it out. <laughs> Go on. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they are. This guy was almost ignorant to the cowardice of, the, of his brothers. Ignorant. Just like, how are you? Do you, know, do you know why I'm saying he was ignorant at that point? He was a sent man. His eyes is not exposed to things outside of what he's sent to. So he ran to the... This man did not meet them at the trenches. He met them at the battle lines. Like, if you see battle lines lined up, what do you think they're about to do? Battle. Fight. 
And he's like, oh, how are you? Verse 23, go on. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. So as far as they didn't see him, this is why I'm using this situation. As far as they didn't see him, they would shout, they would talk, they're happy. Any sign of him, they fled. And not just fled, they fled in great fear. You have, have you seen people's faces when they're fearful? You realize that there's things in this life that can humble people. Verse 25, we're getting somewhere. Go on. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. <laughs> David asked the men standing near him. Tax exemption would be a good thing in this nation, isn't it? We'll deal with them, I'm telling you. We'll deal with them. David asked the men standing near him. What did he ask? What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Was it not just said? It was, isn't it? Yeah. Because this scripture... Let me tell you where I'm going. This scripture is teaching you how to pay attention. Let me tell you something about Hebrew. Hebrew do not just talk in words. Yeah, the Hebrew. It talks like the letters in it. The numbers of letters can speak to you. You know the English word, like the word ox, there's just ox. You can't look into it. But the Hebrew language is very poetic. So if you actually read and pay attention, this is actually where I'm going because victory against Goliath is not based on strength. It's based on the ability to see properly. It's the ability to pay attention. Sometimes things are so big that if you're not careful, you will look at size and you won't actually see the opening. You won't see it because Goliath is loud. Goliath is huge. So usually you only become, you actually become a person that's lost their life in the battle because you never saw in the perspective of the word. You become, because anyone that saw him as big, once he started running, they would never seen the opening. Because we already know what they would have done. There they would have ran. But then, let me not go ahead of myself. Go on. So the issue, so what I'm trying to say is that why I'm taking my time with this scripture, as long as it is, is if you pay attention, you realize it's almost misjointed. But God is trying to even use the chapter 17 to teach you how to pay attention. Carry on reading. Go on. What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David did not, look, David did not um, dare give him any accolades. He didn't care that this man is known as a champion. His issue was that this guy has brought up a challenge against the armies of the living God. At that point, he wasn't even talking about Israel. He was saying this man blatantly came to challenge God's house. You see churches, when institutions come, do they dare to challenge? 
And that's why we don't see miracles. Because I said to you the other day that miracles are not done by God. They're done by men. I told you, and I even used it as an example in case you have forgotten. When Moses and the Israelites were at the Red Sea and Moses wanted to complain to, complain to God, God looked at him and said, why are you complaining to me? What do you have in your hand? So we can do miracles if we accept the challenge. If something starts to roar against us, it's with the intention God brought you your way to say, look, Tom Abisola, if you're willing to challenge, you will see your next level of glory. If you fail to, you will stay where you are or you will become a person that lives it um, forever, eternally in servitude to it. So it was PT that one day saw the charity organization and dared to challenge it. Did you see other churches continuously in servitude to it? Have they done anything, any miracles, any um, exploits? None at all. Why? Because for years, when the open invitation, which was them coming, they never dared to rally themselves and fight. No one said, what will be the reward of this though? Because there's something beneficial that must come out of this. There must be a reward here. You ask yourself, David, where did you learn this? The word. Anyway, don't worry, you hear it. They repeated to him. They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's older brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. Mm. You came down You came down only to watch the battle. Let me tell you something. David morally was not a good person. Not when he was a king. Look, in your height, if you make mistakes, you know yourselves. They don't just happen. You've done it before when you were lower. Do you understand? It's, you don't make strange mistakes. <laughs> your mistakes is who you are. You know, PT says sin is you. And I, however he says it, I'm not even going to, but I like that statement, by the way, the way he says it. So David was always someone that they thought was like this. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, verse 29. Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are. Let other people despise your sheep don't despise it make it everything this i love the character of david and i you know the more you see scripture the more you see words so i see pt clara this is the probably one of the most popular people in our generation right now and pt can shut off everything forget word explosion he will tend the sheep in terms of wealth nation he, he would tend the sheep in, these are things that you may not know. He tends sheep. There's people. There are certain communities and race he actually tends. He instructs. There's people that have said to PT, they, look, there's people that own things that you're looking for. This is a real story, yeah? That they've tried everything with PT and they said, you know what? I'll give you my toilet. Because his toilet has gold. Real story. I mean, like, these are people trying to find everything. 
They're trying to throw everything at PT. Anyway, let me leave that story. What I'm trying to say here is that the character you're seeing in PT is what's going to make you great if you can imitate that. How we can have great successes and we're only still looking forward for the moment to tend the sheep. He said he went back and forth. It's like someone that knew, look, this is duty, but this is me. Me is speaking the word for hours, knowing that that's what's going to make God qualify because even your battles, it's God that arranges it for you. And how does he arrange it? If you understand instruction and obedience and tending of sheep, you will be led to it. It will be made for you. Carry on reading. Go on. I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? Yeah. He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. What David said Again, was, you're asking David, they've told you. Why are you still going to people about the same matter? Now what David said was overheard. And reported to Saul. And Saul sent for him. So let me tell you, again, have you realized what's happened here I need 31 so keep it on the screen have you realized what's happened here David's speech as much as he kept coming to them what's the reward in asking what's the reward and telling them to tell me what's the reward I don't think David didn't hear it he was trying to make them hear it you know when I say oh keep repeating it's not that I didn't hear you read it it's because I want you to hear it do you understand that? So he's saying, what's the reward? What's the reward? To tell them that there's even a reason for you to go and fight. They've told you the details. You will have great wealth from the king. You'll marry his daughter, meaning that this will put you in spaces of royalty. You'll be, you have an alliance, an allegiance with the, 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 the lawmaker, the kingmaker. And your family there's a reward you'll bring back to your camp. Tax exemption. He was saying, is this not enough to mobilize you? To go and fight? Why is that important? Again, how do I know this? He wasn't asking the same person. He was asking many people. Wondering why there was no one that was going to respond to this reward. Because something will come out of it. But David's speech did not do so much but to rile up the people like they you see we were hoping when i was reading this i was hoping or well i imagine it i'm hoping that david will find someone that will be mobilized that will be irritated enough annoyed enough discontented enough with this mockery and that they will take up their sword and go and fight but rightly so none of them did because even though David tried to mobilize, this is a warning actually what I'm saying to you. Even though David tried to mobilize, God's intention was to show who he sent. I hope you hear me. This is the reason why we spend these times. David was trying to mobilize them in his mind. But God would not even allow them. Again, they were not, they were not frustrated enough. They were not irritated enough. They had not enrolled to giving their life up for theirs 
for their life giving their life up for their people and their nation he was hoping that he would annoy them enough he would frustrate them enough he would mobilize them enough to take up a sword but they couldn't but god would not allow it because god was trying to show who he sent because we saw a scripture that god anointed the new king so guess what all of that was for to build another report because if he can build another report by speaking a power will call for him did you notice what brought him the victory of Goliath saw the current king sent for him and made him do what he should do did you hear what I said to you David said what David said was overheard so why I said it's a warning I'm speaking as your leader but this should be the speaking of everybody if you don't speak with that conviction even though my attempt is to mobilize it may only be for me to transcend powers to level up in powers because the speaking of the word is what attract powers you know when they say things like if you keep enchanting then it evokes powers Saul is a power in Israel so David speaking even though he was trying to mobilize them as I'm trying to mobilize you what's happening is that it's evoking a power a situation another invitation for my next level verse 32 go on David said to Saul let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine imagine now David started to encourage the king he said let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine your servant will go and fight him. Yeah. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. Yeah. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. It started off with his first test of faithfulness, his first place of responsibility your servant because you sent for me i've now become your servant he knows that power is in service it's in being a servant or something real power is translated is passed is transferred transferred in the place of submission your servant has been keeping his father's sheep i'm a man that knows if you ask about me i don't lose what belongs to my father he says, when a lion or a bear came, go on. And carried off a sheep from the flock. What happened? I went after it, struck it. Look at what he did. He went after it, struck it. And what? Rescued the sheep from its mouth. He rescued the sheep from its mouth. This is what's meant to happen. So when something's come, there's a blow we have to, fr we have to throw back. They've hit us, but we must hit back. And would there be consequences? The lion was not after the shepherd. Because if it was, it would have come for the shepherd. It came for the sheep. But the shepherd must see that as coming for him. So what happened is that the shepherd, if, if it came for the sheep, he hit the lion. But you see at that moment, he has to accept the truth that the moment he engaged with the lion, the lion will turn on him. He knows that the moment that he engaged, he will have to face certain consequences. But the only way through it is to go through it. If he dare fled, the lion would have caught him in a vulnerable, vulnerable position. 
I went after it. I chased after it. It thought it was getting away. How did it went after it? The lion would have ran away, but he ran. Is this, does this sound normal to you? He ran the speed of a lion. He went after it and struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. Go on. When it turned on me. You I see it here. When it turned on me. So look, he first struck it going ahead of myself how did he kill if you read the scripture there are two accounts of david killing goliath it says when he threw the sling the rock from the sling it says that he was killed but later it also says that he took his own sword goliath's sword took off his head and it also refers to him killing him you first strike them then the final blow will be with their own weapon I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. After rescuing it, it came after me. I seized it by its hair. I seized it by its glory. What makes it powerful, I took it and struck it and killed it. Go on. Your servant has killed both the lion, the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Because he, he spoke the word. He told them what has happened and he said, this will be the same case. Why? Because he has defied the armies of the living It's not God. a matter of Israel. He knew he fought for God. This was, you understand the relation, the relationship of the army to its king. The king sends them for his own agenda. He knew he was not an ordinary man. It's in the point of realization, wealth family, that you have power you understand that this you're not a normal church you're not a normal girl you are actually enrolled to god's army and that's the reason why you'll be named and announced the victor yes they will come after you but irrespective and if it came after david i don't think david left there without scratches i don't think david left there without close cause of death because the lion's way of hunting is grabbing you by his neck grabbing you yeah grabbing you by your neck so i don't think they weren't close calls but he saw it through to the point that he was able to win and he says i will now win in this case because the wealth family is not a normal church in london it's god's army that they put a challenge against goliath made a mistake coming against wealth family goliath made a mistake coming against the nation so once have i heard him twice has he spoken that all power belongs to god i know that we would do him with two strikes that's prophetic we will strike him to recover the sheep and when he comes again we'll give him the final blow this is the case for goliath 2 verse 37 go on the lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this village so engagement evokes god's power not shouting engagement is what brings the miracles of god you know when something says no to you around your giving you fight because you know that this has been requested by the king and a fish has to give it up the fish cannot keep it in its mouth it has to give it up because you have been sent are you hearing what i'm saying to you you have been sent to bring a back bring back a report according to the report you've been hearing on the, in your heart according to your convictions according to what god is saying and we know that as we engage we have this scripture that the lord will rescue us 
Rescue does not come until you're in a vulnerable position. A hero cannot, uh, the person that has the advantage cannot say, I was rescued. It's the sheep that's rescued. It's the person that looks like he's got the disadvantage that is rescued. So we have to engage to engage God. Praying, isolating does not engage God. Prayer is to, for us to be strengthened, to go and carry out the word. And yes, we'll be in a vulnerable position, but then God will be, God's duty will be to come and rescue us. Go and the Lord, no, read verse 37 again, go on. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. Mm -hmm. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, yeah. because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Did you see what he said here? I can't go with this, not because it's not good. It's just that I'm not used to them. It's not a part of my training. So what brought David victory was what he was used to. That's why we spend a lot of times because you're getting familiar with the sword. You know the sling, I was researching it because my ignorance thought he was talking about a slingshot. A sling and a slingshot are two different things. A sling takes practice to be able to use it. But you see a sling, I made a comment earlier, in that day it's like a gun how fast the miles per hour it can reach but it takes training it takes getting used to but how do you get used to it you can imagine the shepherd being bored maybe at times having to look after the sheep or every time an enemy came every time he engaged he got better with it until god knew that he was good enough to use it where it mattered david fastened on his sword over the tun over the tunic and tried walking he tried he was not even going to say, oh, no, no. He tried because he was not used to them. He said, I cannot go in these. Verse 40. Then he took his staff in his hand. What he's familiar with. Yeah. Chose five smooth stones from the street. Goliath had four brothers. Go on. Put them David's in the victory here will even be prophetic. I will take out your whole generation. Goliath and your four, I will take all of you. Carry on reading. Go on. Put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag. Yeah. And with his sling in his hand, approach the Philistine. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. Yeah. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy. God needs us to be in a vulnerable position that engaged. So your enemy must look at you and almost their complacency must be their downfall their complacency their, their 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 pride must be their downfall they must look at wealth family and think what can they do they're not exposed they don't know what we know we will take advantage of them because they're in a vulnerable position but i said to you see animals that tend to flee if put in a back up against the wall, you'll realize how dangerous it is. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy. Go on. Glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. Yeah. He said to David, 
Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Do you know what eats, you know, wild animals eat wild animals. Yeah? Yeah? They eat wild animals. So David, look at verse 43 again, and then we read 44 again. Go on. And he said to him, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? Yeah. And the Philistine cursed David by his God. Yeah. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Keep reading. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. It looks silly. His defense is something that the Philistine cannot see or know. It's like us coming and it looks like we have no defense. Very vulnerable. But we put, we evoke God by coming in that state. Courage will win your battles. The battle is not for the one with resources. It's with the one with courage because he knows. Remember what I said you should keep note of. He realizes that the Lord is with him. David saw things different. This is why people can say that God is with him because it's just the way he sees things. There must be something else gauge or lead in his life. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied, who you have challenged. Yeah. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I want you guys to get ready. Go on. And I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Do you know what's beautiful about David? David said he will strike, he told him that it will be a two-blow matter. Are you guys still with me? He, to he told him that it was a two, it's going to be, it will take only two hits. He says, first I will strike you down and then he had the audacity to say, I will cut off your head without a sword. He said that, look, I will get so close to you that the weapon you came with me to, you came with to me with, I will use to cut your head. Remember that David left all the artillery back with Saul and came with only a sling. You cannot cut the head of Goliath with a sling. You can only strike him down. But when you get into close proximity, you take his sword and look at what he said he would do. You said you will feed me but I will feed you. Go on, this very day. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. Yeah. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All, the, all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. Now, sword or spear is something that that world will understand. In this day, we're saying it's not by what you think that a victory is given. But it's by the Lord who saves. For the battle is the Lord's, yeah? And he will give all of you into our hands. Go on. As the Philistine moved move closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Yeah. Reaching into his You know back. when you see that he ran quickly, I needed to take all these points. He hesitated not. He made up his mind and he went full, full throttle into it. 
reaching into his bag and taking out a stone yeah he slung it and the sh- and struck the philistine on the forehead we saw his defense we saw his armory how did he get it there david's gift through the word was his ability to pay attention he knew where he was aiming for he knew the balance he needed as he's running he knew every factor he was able how did he pay attention how was he i told you the sling it's not just anything you can throw you had to be trained in it so actually the word was training him to pay attention that's why the bible can say things like be sure to know who was saying that david's son he had learned that if you're going to be wealthy it's going to be in your ability if you're going to be successful it's going to be in your ability to see what others cannot see the stone the stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground yeah so david triumphed over the philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand he struck down the philistine and killed him do you see what verse 50 here says so david triumphed over the philistine with a sling and a stone not yet a sword it says without a sword in his hand he struck down the philistine and what and killed him and killed him so he died as a result of the stone yeah verse 51 david ran and stood over him he took hold of he took hold of the philistine sword and drew it from the sheath let me tell you something about why it's destined for big companies that come against god's house to fall they will be complacent it's natural of them david said goliath you come to me with sword and spear if he came with the sword the sword would not be in a sheath he looked at david and thought i don't even need a sword for it okay you guys are tired so don't worry, i'll wrap up he knew that he didn't even goliath was so he was so overconfident because this is smaller than any of his fights but he didn't know that he had provoked god through david so he didn't need because if a man isn't going into battle when you're running to your enemy you've already brought out your sword but david says the the philistine's sword he took hold of the philistine's sword and drew it so his complacency was his downfall his overestimation and overconfidence was his downfall that's the fate of everything that comes against this family they will trip by their own means and it says after he killed him what happened he cut off his head with the sword yeah when the philistines saw that their hero was dead (laughs) they turned and ran you see when we put this thing down there'll be many things talking that will flee because they will know that they will know the fierceness of the nation family and we have to allow that to be because we are the davids so it had to come to our camp because it was a challenge I'm saying it's an open invitation for wealth for us so we have to challenge go on they turned and ran go on then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout their mobilization wasn't when David was talking was in the fact that David had courage to go and fight and he did the impossible now the people who were shouting can now also take sword and fight and they pursued the philistines to the entrance of gath go on and to the gates of ekron yeah their dead were strewn around the shereim road meaning we'll make public mockery of these people we'll lay them out so all can see 
when they're passing they will see the mockery and they will know you see that wealth family you see that nation family you don't go near them go on their dead were strewn along the Shuraim road to Gath and Ekron. When the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered their camp. <laughs> David took the Philistines' head and brought it to Jerusalem. He put the Philistines' weapons in his own tent. David, look, they went to plunder. David took a remembrance of his victory. So I get why PT says, talk about your victories because they are things you will use tomorrow how do we know that there was a time that david had to go back to was it the priest and the only sword available for him was this goliath sword so if you don't hold on to your victory if you don't hold on to your victory on how you're taking um, nations how you're doing exploits you won't know that that was your weapon for a day uh, going to the voice and having millions of followers it looks irrelevant now david beryl take it into your tent let everyone take their plunder take that victory look after it properly the day that bbc and reach out through you with millions take it into your tent you may not know what to do with it now but a day the the same spirit will push you into another circumstance and guess what that spirit will force you to do you'll realize that your only weapon at that moment will be that one that you kept keep reading uh, uh, we're not done yet go on as Saul watched David going out to meet the Philistines no read verse 54 again don't lose this go on David took the Philistines head and brought it to Jerusalem he put the Philistines weapons in his own tent yeah as Saul watched David going out to meet the Philistine, he said to Abner, commander of the army, Abner, whose son is that young man? Abner replied, as surely as you live, your majesty, I don't know. No, no, please, guys, don't forget chapter 16. They had already been introduced to David, apparently so. So how does he not know who David is? because where, the way you read it wasn't in chronological order let me tell you something what i'm trying to say it seems like we're talking about chronological order but i'm trying to teach you prophetic things let me explain with that god doesn't work with man's timing he speaks the way he wants to situations of god can be back to front is him speaking i hope you hear, hear what i'm saying you may think it should go in a certain way god says it doesn't go like that when i'm speaking so do you know what this is verse 54 post dates no no situ no the situations of 55 no 54 post dates 55 meaning that 55 came after no no 54 came after 55 they had inquired of him before because the bible says that look the battle is already done david had taken the head and the weapon into his own tent then 55 says oh david um saw says i saw watch david going out to meet the philistine that happened already i saw watch david going out to meet the philistine go on he said to abner commander of the army abner whose son is that young man abner replied as surely as you live your majesty I don't know. The king said, find out whose son this young man is. As soon as David returned from killing the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul, with David still holding the Philistine's head. <laughs> whose son are you, young man? Saul asked him. David said, I am the son of your servant Jesse of Bethlehem. Ultimately, the person that will bring victory will be the son. I want us to begin to worship.